As a mom, you wear a lot of hats, and sometimes it seems like you're going in a million directions at once. At the 29-Minute Mom, we want to give you the tools to bring it all under control and reach your highest potential. If you give us a few minutes, we'll help you find those extra hours you need every week to achieve balance and satisfaction in everything you're trying to get done. The 29-Minute Mom. It's time just for you. And now, here's your host, life's organization expert, author and coach, Jennifer Ford Berry. Hello, everybody. This is Jennifer Ford Berry with the 29 Minute Mom podcast, back again. And today, our guest is Paul Peterson. Paul is the husband to one special lady named Sherry. For 20 years this August, they will be married. He is the dad to not one, but six little ladies ranging in age from 5 to 14. And I have to mention their names because they're absolutely beautiful. Their names are Ashton, Lexington, Karis, Reagan, Riley, and Dallas. I love those names. He um, is also a pastor in Rock Hills, South Carolina at the Church 180. And Paul is also a personal trainer at Brutal Iron Gym, where he works with all kinds of clients, but he really specializes with the ladies. So we're going to get all of his tips on creating God-oriented, beautiful bodies today, as well as some advice from Pastor Paul on marriage and parenting. So welcome, Paul. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Jennifer. Thanks for the welcome. Love it. So I got to tell you, um, I was, when I was reading that you were in Rock Hill, I have to tell you, we used to live in Belmont, North Carolina. So we used to go to T-Bones on Lake Wiley. Is that still there? I, I don't know, actually. Um, I know where Lake Wiley is, but I don't know where T-Bones, I don't know. Really? That was like our favorite place, and they used to have these awesome fireworks on 4th of July, so we used to go there, and we always, it's like, you know how you get a memory stuck in your head? It's like every time we have a 4th of July celebration now, my husband and I will say, remember T-Bones? That was so fun. <laughs> uh, right. You know what? Um, so I I think, I actually think it is. I just Googled it. Multitasking here. I, I Googled it. I think it is still there, so yeah. Well, check it out if you get a chance. It's really fun. Excellent. It's really just Casual and great food. So anybody that's listening from uh, down in Rock Hill or Belmont, we hope that you'll enjoy this conversation. And maybe there's even some people that already go to Church 180. So this should be a really fun um, conversation. Very cool. So one of the things I love to know, Paul, is just I love hearing how people get to the place they are today and, you know, kind of their journey on how they got, you know, from years ago to this moment in time on this show right now. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to the point you are at today? Yeah, you know, um, well, I, I think our common connection is a friend in New York, and um, my family and I used to be in New York as pastors, and we left uh, New York to start a new church. And um, long story short, that never came to fruition in spite of our best efforts. Um, and quite frankly, uh, when you pour all of your energy into starting something, um, you sacrifice hugely and it, and it never comes to fruition. It's just devastating. You know, when we left af after the church plant had failed, um, you know, with every bit of reverence and respect, we actually refer to it sometimes as our ministry miscarriage. And the reason for that is, um, like a parent who's expecting, we we had dreams of what it would be like to to enjoy this and 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 do life with this ministry or like you know 
and it never came to fruition. It just crushed our hearts. Um, and, uh, you know, we actually began to, I, I personally began to question um, my ability to hear God's voice. Uh, we left a great church in New York to do this. Um, I wrestled with my faith. I wrestled with my calling to ministry. Long story short, we ended up in Rock Hill, South Carolina, um, at a most unlikely place. Um, it was a small church uh, with a, you know, the constituency was largely older people, and yet somehow it seemed to click. So um, we said, we feel like this is God, and uh, it's been a, it's been a turnaround effort, and God has put His hand on it. So it's a really neat and, and fun season of ministry for us now. Um, but leading up to that, you know, after the church plant just didn't happen. Uh, I went into a pretty dark place and, um, man, just wrestling emotionally, you know, just insecurity and anger and all these negative and dark feelings and emotions. And, um, one time I was, uh, and, and yet through that whole thing, I was confident that God had called us to ministry and I wasn't exactly sure what that looked like. I remember I, I embraced a handful of disciplines, um, that kind of kept me, uh, putting one foot in front of the other, you know, things like, scripture, prayer, dating my wife, etc. But uh, one time I was riding past this gym and um, I realized that's something I need back in my life. And um, I didn't have a lot of money, extra money. So um, I was getting, I had a, a, a monthly allowance for my haircut. And I realized if I go out and buy clippers, I'll cut my own hair and take that money and pay for, get whatever I can get as far as membership from the gym. So I went into the owner and said, Hey man, I have $25 a month. What can I get? How many times can I come to your gym for $25 a month? And, um, that led to something really cool. And after I'd been there a couple years, he invited me to be a, um, a trainer. And, um, you know, since then I've participated in a couple of, uh, different competitive showings for, um, it's called physique shows. So I've done that a couple different times. Uh, but that was a huge part of me coming out of my dark place. And since then, um, having serving as a trainer, um, God has allowed me to make some really cool connections with people. And um, I, I see a significant relationship between the way we treat our body and the well-being of our soul. And um, so that's how that whole thing kind of transpired. And that's how I am today, a pastor and a trainer. Um, I like to talk about strong hearts and strong backs. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how that whole thing came to fruition. That is a great story. I love it. And we do have to give a little high shout out to Jessica and Rob Barone for connecting us because I feel like I've already known you from all the amazing things they've told me about you. But one of the things that I feel, um, I've heard the most is, you know, talking with Jessica about taking care of our bodies and how God created our body as a temple. And that's one thing I know she lives by. And it's something that we've had many major discussions about. It's funny because I've been, you know, one of those women that kind of bounces back and forth from going to the gym. So I'll be all in and it'll be going great. And I know all the the pros and I know all the reasons why I'm supposed to be there. And then all of a sudden life gets in the way. And they'll be like maybe, say, baseball, softball season with my kids where there's games every night and I, I lose that um, drive. And then it feels like you're restarting all over again every single time that happens. And I know a lot of women feel the same way. So talking about, you know, how God created our body and why he created our body and how it 
he created it as a temple, I think it's extremely motivating and something that I really wanted to ask you when I got the chance because I know I've heard that um, that's part of your teaching. Yeah, you know, I I actually think that, well, it's, it's, let me just ask you a question. Like, are you most likely to be a great mom and a great wife when you are tired or well-rested? Absolutely well-rested. Right. And are you most likely to be engaged spiritually when you are sick or healthy? Healthy. Right. Is your worship most likely to be alive and passionate when you're hungry or satiated? Fully? Yeah. Right. And so to me, I, like, I think I've always had this observation, like when you go to a funeral, um, you see the body, uh, but there's clearly something missing, right? I mean, there's clearly something missing. There's a body there, but, but it's the spirit is gone. Right. Um, and it seems to me as I make that observation that the body holds the spirit, your body holds your spirit. And theologically, like if you read in Genesis chapter one, God made the body and then he breathed the spirit into it. Right. So your body holds the spirit. And so it seemed to me like the better we care for our body, the more likely our spirit is to be in, in good condition as well. Now that's not to say, I think it's possible to have a great body and a raunchy spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, I think it's highly likely that if we care for our body, well, um, our spirit, which dwells within our body, is much more likely to be healthy and fully engaged spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And I know in my own life, I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, I'm a better trainer, better pastor, I'm a better man uh, when I'm paying attention to what I eat, the way I sleep, how much laughter I'm in, I'm engaging in, um, the way I work out, all those things, because everything's connected, right? So if my body is strong, it's likely then that my spirit will be strong too. It's so true. And I feel like with me personally is when I'm making that a priority, you're so right. Everything else seems to fall into place. Like I used to tell myself, okay, I better get up early and work out. And I tried it and I dreaded it and I tried it and I dreaded it. And I was like, I was trying to be something I wasn't, and so it wasn't working. And so finally, I was like, God, please show me how I'm going to have time for this in my schedule. Where am I going to make time for this? How am I going to make this work? And it finally got to the point where I realized that, you know what, I'm going to have to do it at night. So there's been so many times that I'll be driving home from work absolutely exhausted. And that was my excuse, Paul, for a long time. Can't work out at night because I'm going to be too tired. So I'm absolutely exhausted. But then if I actually step foot into that gym, I get a like I get this burst of energy. It's so weird. And I tell myself the next day, just step, put a, put your foot in the gym and it will happen. And I think that that if we ask for it is the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us to have willpower, even when we don't feel like it. I, you know, I a hundred percent agree with that. I, I think, um, if we could just make a five minute commitment, I'm just going to do five minutes. The crazy thing is, is once you do that first five minutes, then you're engaged and you'll actually yes. do the whole thing. I think there's an interesting story in, in first Kings 17 where Elijah, you know, the prophet Elijah was just, he was worn out. He was depressed. Um, he literally said to God, I want to die. And it's interesting to me that, um, the response he received from God was not, Hey, you need to pray more. Hey, you need to go to church more. Hey, you need to do more life groups. Um, it wasn't that. In fact, if you just read First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, First um, Kings 17, God said, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a nap. I want you to eat some food. And I want you to go on a long walk. And when he did those things, he actually heard from God. 
And I, I think that is that's such an applicable principle. I think so many of us are in dark places, perhaps spiritually. I had, a, I had a doctor friend of mine tell me one time, he said, you know, not every dark place is a spiritual problem. Oftentimes it can be connected to physical issues. And I, I think he's 100% right. And I love that God gave that advice to Elijah. You need to eat something, eat good food. You need to take a nap and you need to go on a long walk, right? You need to exercise. And I, I think there's a there's an undeniable connection between spiritual well-being and caring well for your body. Yeah, absolutely. So when you're working with women, and they come to you, what are the what are the you know things that you've noticed that we do as women to ourselves that maybe a man wouldn't oh, right. do? I'm sure it's got to be no, very like different. Like dudes think we're awesome the moment we walk in the gym. <laughs> Right. No, I mean, we, like we, we just <laughs> look at our, awesome we see, up, we look right? in the mirror, we're like, man, look at those guns. You know, we flex, like we walk past the reflections of, you know, we we'll look at ourselves in the reflection of cars. And I don't know, we just think we're great the moment we walk in the gym. Um, Have you been hanging out with crazy. my husband, like, Paul? We're all the time that, flexing and <laughs> we're just like that. I don't know. But, um, I, you know, I've noticed in ladies and I've trained, I mean, I've trained some, I'm working with some, some just amazingly, uh, just some beautiful ladies. And, but I've noticed this in ladies that are, that are thin, that are, that are overweight. I've noticed this in ladies that are young and old. I, I just, this seems to be, and not every lady, of course, but this, there seems to be a trend among ladies that, um, they're so hard. You're so hard on yourselves. And, you know, I, I'm thinking in particular of a couple. One is a model. She's beautiful. And yet, you know, every time we're, we're talking, like, she'll begin to, put, like, I'm, I'm fat, I'm ugly. I'm like, are you kidding me? You're the hottest commodity on the market right now, right? Um, and so even this beautiful woman cannot look at herself in the mirror. So I, um, I've begun to really challenge my girls, my ladies. Um, one of them uh, has just made these incredible bounds. She's be just become a very strong person on the inside and out. She's lost a lot of weight. She's done something really, really incredible with her body. Um, and I, and yet she can't see it. She still sees herself as, as something that she's not. She still sees herself as the way she used to be. Um, and so I actually just challenged her. I said, I want to give you an assignment this weekend. And that is to, to come to me or to identify three things about your body that you are proud of. And my gosh, she's having the hardest time. <laughs> she's got one. Yeah. And so I, I think ladies, um, have a tendency to be really, really hard on themselves. Um, and it's, it's, gosh, you're probably harder on yourself than, than anyone, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's sad. I always, I, you know, I coach women and help women get their lives organized. And one thing I always notice is they, they're very quick to self-sabotage. And since I've noticed so many other women doing it, I try not to do it to myself, but you know, they could have worked, we could work together all day getting a room organized. And at the end I'll say, how do you feel? And it could look beautiful, but instead of giving themselves credit for all the hard work, they immediately go to what isn't done. So I feel like it would be the same thing with you know, your body, it's like, okay, you've shown up, you're doing these workouts, you're starting to see a difference, but you still are focused on, oh, you know, I hate my stomach, I have that pouch from having a baby, like, when is that going to go away? Or when is the final, you know, five pounds going to go away? Like, that's literally 
what we do as women, and it's so sad, and it's right. so um, right. I, that's not motivating at all. Right. I, I see that a lot, and um, little things as simple as just watching yourself in the mirror when you work out. Um, and so sometimes I, I know for my ladies, like I'll really encourage them to just do that, to give them an assignment to identify and um, point out parts of them that they're proud of. And um, it's always a challenging thing. It's interesting how that works. I'm not sure exactly the, the psychology behind that because, um, you know, looking on as, as a man, as a trainer, like I, I see all these, all these advances and all these wins and all these wonderful all these wonderful things. And, um, so maybe, you know, maybe surrounding ourselves with people who just are going to consistently point that out and call us to, to identify them as well is helpful. I know my girls usually respond to that, make the effort, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, if we could, it would be so amazing if we could focus on how God is seeing us, not what we see. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, wouldn't that be the game changer? I I mentioned that I've, I've done three, uh, they're called physique shows. Um, I've done three of those and I actually think everybody should perform in some form of a competition to some level. And the reason for me is like, you know, when you get on the stage that day, um, it's just one miserable day. You're hungry, you're orange. Cause you got all that fake tan stuff on all that weird stuff going on. Um, but to me, I mean, you look great on that day, but to me, the biggest win is not how you look. It's what you've become in the process of preparing. You've gone for months um, denying yourself um, your own desires, like, hey, man, I want to grab some cake, but no, or hey, I don't want to go to the gym, but I'm going to, or hey, I'd rather stay up and watch a movie, but no, I'm going to go to bed. Um, and, and the person you become in the process of training for a show, it's amazing. And, and I, I tell I tell my ladies um, – particularly the ones that are training for a show. I mean, this is, this is pretty straightforward, but this is what I, I tell them once I've earned the permission to say this. I say, you know, um, someday your boobs are going to sag and your butt is going to drop, but the person that you are becoming in the process of training and the person, the, the self-control and the character that you're building in the process of this whole thing, that will never go away. And quite frankly, I, I think that's, you know, in First Peter uh, chapter 3, Peter calls women to um, to acknowledge and embrace the beauty that comes from within, and that never goes away. Like your body's going to change someday; it's just going to happen. I mean, I see. I, I'm working with a lady right now; she's getting all these injections and whatnot, and like someday that's just going to like you're just going to get wrinkled and you're going to sag and you're going to droop. But if you have this beautiful spirit, that doesn't go away, mm-hmm. and and that's what's attractive and, and beautiful. I love this is First Peter. Um, Chapter three, verse four, he said, you should clothe yourselves with the beauty that comes from within the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. This is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful. I'm telling you, I mean, you probably know, I, I do. I know women that are, I mean, they're beautiful on the outside, but you spend five minutes with them. You're like, good gosh, that's right. And then, you know, people who may not be mm-hmm. aesthetically, you know, a hundred percent, but you spend five minutes with them and all of a sudden they're the most gorgeous person in the world. And I think that comes from the inside spirit. So building that up, building that character is a beautiful thing. And I think quite frankly, that can happen in the gym. Just learning self-control, learning discipline, learning the ability to, to press on when the pressure is there, um, et cetera, et cetera. I think, yeah. So there you go. Love it. And the fact that you're, 
something that seems so unattainable at first, you know, when you work at it a little bit every day, just like any major goal we want to achieve, that's how we reach our goals. And once you get to the final day, like for example, in this case, the competition, you realize if I apply this to anything I, I want to you do, know, I had a conversation the, the last night. Limit, I have a lady right? that's training for a powerlifting meet. And um, we just talked about this last night. I heard somebody say that success is boring. You just show up. Success, this is what they said. They said successful people just show up every day and do the same thing. It becomes rather mundane, right? You just show up every day, you eat the right food, you exercise. And it's not always exciting. But um, that consistency of effort, that consistency of showing up, that consistency of doing the right thing in time pays off with dividends and and then you have something that you've you know that you've created it's the effort of all of these mundane boring days i mean it's honestly there are plenty of times um where you know where i'm headed in the gym I'm like you know i'd much rather not be here but the cumulative effect of showing up doing the right thing over and over and over after a while build something that feels good that looks good that that is good and so yeah i i think that's uh that's it just showing up even yeah, even when you don't feel like it, even when you tell yourself Jennifer, it's going to be five like, minutes. <laughs> um, I think like life, uh, we've discovered this, you know, having six kids and life is always changing. You know, it's one thing when they're home and then they go to school and then some are in middle school and some are in elementary school. Um, and so it just like the schedule is always changing. So uh, like we've we've discovered this idea of, of life and rhythm, like or there are rhythms to life and sometimes life feels like Metallica music. And then sometimes it feels like Michael Buble music, you know, um, and just adapting to and going with the rhythm. And, um, right. you know, honestly, like there, there are seasons where we're able to get in the gym, you know, multiple times, you know, five, six times a week. And then there are seasons where we just have to get in three or four times a week. Uh, but I think the consistency thing is like, this is a commitment and we just mm -hmm. make time for it. And yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's the key is not just going from a lot to nothing. Even if you have to go from, right. you know, a lot to a little, it's better than nothing. And a lot of times, you know, we, we will jump to that. Oh, but now we don't have any time instead of just and, doing and what we can. Unfortunately, I see this a lot. It. People are like, well, I can't go, I can't get into the gym and then everything falls apart. You know, we start eating boxes of little Debbies and sitting in front of Netflix for hours. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, not only am I not going to exercise, I'm also going to start eating like crap. And then we feel like crap and we just self-sabotage ourselves, you know? So. Yeah. And then we're like, just forget it. Why bother? <laughs> so let's, um, you know, I want to talk about the fact that, so you work with women and you, you have, this view on what women can be in their highest potential. And now on top of that, you have these seven special ladies in your life. So I'm just sitting here thinking, man, this is pretty cool. I mean, you've got to be like a really um, strong influence on your girls because you see the beauty inside of them. So can you tell us, you know, you, I know you've been married almost 20 years. So first of all, tell us about Sherry and you know, what, what are you attributing um, these twenty years to? Like in the in your opinion, what's well, the main thing that name, makes I, your like, marriage I'm work? I'm smiling right now. You can't see it, but no, I, like I like her. I like her a lot. Aww. She's like she's my she's my I I don't know. I call her the lovely and talented Mrs. Peterson. 
And our whole church calls her that, which is awesome. She hates that, but I think it's awesome. Um, I, I'll tell you right now, I, I know what it is. There's, I know how to stay married for 20 years, all right? And we'll see if this works for 40 years, but I know it works for 20 years. And, and quite frankly, I know it works for 50 years and 60 years because I've talked to people who've been married for 50 and 60 years, and they're saying the same thing. Um, here's what the, There are two things that have kept us married for 20 years. And in love, like this girl still turns my head. You know what I'm saying? When she walks in, I still am like, she turns my head and, and makes my heart move, you know? So, um, we do two meetings every single week. We have a, we call it our coin and calendar meeting. It's a business meeting. We sit down every single week and we look at our finances and our calendar and we don't miss that meeting. Um, and it's a business meeting because I think a family is a lot like a business. You've got systems, you've got income, you've got expenses, you've got personnel, you've got infrastructure, you've got all of these things just like a business. And so we bring our business minds to that conversation. So we, like, and that is huge. That is like we do business and we run the business of our family every single week. That's our first meeting. Our second meeting is a date. A date. We date every week. And we have for 20 years. Um, and that time has changed and our budget has changed. Quite frankly, there have been times we used to spend, you know, 50 bucks a week dating. And then there was a season, you know, 50 bucks a week and four hours a week. You know, that was our date. Um, then we started having a million kids and, and, um, and, uh, then it switched to, you know, there was a time where we had two hours and our budget was literally $2. That was when we were planning a church. Uh, we, we found a church that did, um, they would care for your kids and give like parents day out. And we, our budget was $2. We'd go to Starbucks and hang out and, uh, you know, she'd get a cup of coffee and I'd get a water or something like that, you know, just, and we'd read a book or we just chit chat. Now our date is, uh, we have a $15 budget and we get up Saturday morning at 7:30, and we go to Starbucks and we'll hang out there. We play Uno. Um, and like we get, it's, that's our date. And we have a great time. We look forward to it. Um, those two meetings I'm telling you have, like those, we've built an incredible marriage off of those things. We still have, we still have problems. We fight. We're two big, strong personalities. Um, but we're friends. We're friends. And I, like, I love that girl a ton, but I'm telling you those two meetings, the business meeting and the date, like those are non-negotiables if you're going to make your marriage work. I love the business meeting idea. I love the business meeting idea. And the thing is, is that what those two things uh, said to me calendar. was you're intentional. Yeah. No, I, I'm telling like, so we've realized this, like if we don't care for our marriage, no one else will. Like I, and, and quite frankly, and I'm teaching on marriage right now at our church. And like, I, I think gentlemen, it's our responsibility to take the initiative to do this. I think, um, ladies, I hope you, I hope your gentleman does that for you. And, and maybe not all of you have that. And I, I hope that for you, um, and, and maybe you can encourage that in some way. But I think at the end of the day, if men will take responsibility for their marriages and take the initiative, um, it's it's a gift to our ladies. And I, it just it empowers our ladies. And I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, we're in ridiculously intentional. We care for our marriage. We tell other people no so we can say yes to ourselves because we think that's the best gift to our daughters, to our church, to our friends is a, is a great marriage. Right. Absolutely. Such a gift to your girls. 
And, you know, I read on your blog that you date all of your daughters every week and that you did this blog post. I thought it was really neat and I wanted you to mention it quick is that, you know, there's no excuses. There's, you can't, if somebody's saying I don't have time or money to date my kids or my wife, it's baloney. And you mentioned how you can go on, you know, you can find a dollar in 30 minutes and there you gave a list of ideas on what to do. Um, on your date with your child for a dollar and yeah, 30 you know, minutes. Um, so actually, Wendy's has this thing out where you can buy a keychain for a dollar and you get a free Frosty. And so I bought six of them. And so I every day um, we will – I'm dating some girl and we'll go to – oftentimes we'll go to Wendy's and play um, play a game. Recently, my little kids have been into Truth or Dare, so we go to Wendy's and play Truth or Dare, which – inevitably ends up with me having to say something or do something embarrassing with one of the employees. But they they know us well enough now. They're like, Oh, you guys are playing truth or dare again. Right. But it's 30 minutes and it costs, you know, it costs a dollar and yeah, it's, it's such a great investment. And some, I'm older girls. Sometimes we'll just ride around the country and and they just want to talk. Sometimes they want to run to Walmart and just look at stuff, but it's, it's 30 minutes. It's not a lot of time, but it's, it's a huge and absolutely necessary investment in our kids. I think what's really amazing about that too is um, is the the way you're teaching your kids to date. So when they start dating boys, um, that they're going to actually look back on these examples of your dates, and you know they're going to. They're going to notice if the boy is paying attention to what they're saying or if they're opening the car door or they're offering to pay or whatever the case may be. And you're you're setting the bar high so that they know their own self-worth. I think about that um, all the time with my, my husband and my daughter. It's like I tell her all the time, if you're, you can't find a boy that treats you as good as daddy does, then it's the wrong boy. So... Um, really, really important, I think, to teach your girls that. And like you said, there's no excuse. Nobody can say I don't have the time or money. I mean, everybody can find a dollar in 30 minutes, right? (laughs) No excuses for you guys listening with one or two girls, right? Oh, well, this has been a great conversation, Paul. I so appreciate you being here. I want all the listeners to know that if they want to follow along with more of what you're doing and your outlook on life, that they can go to paulpetersononlive.com. We'll actually have a link to that with the podcast. But I just want to say thank you. I hope that um, it's we always get to a meet balmy in, seventy in person in someday. <laughs> same here i mean why why travel buffalo is the same way so we'll have to make it happen though um thanks again and for anybody listening we appreciate you here with the 29 minute mom that um, we know every minute counts in your life and we appreciate you spending these minutes with us